0: Okay, the title of the message this morning, Spiritual Gifts Part One. One of 53. <laughs> it's gonna be a while before we get through these verses. This is an introduction this morning. I wanna make that clear. It's an introduction and an overview of some of which is coming In regard to spiritual gifts but I couldn't possibly touch on everything uh, in 40 minutes so I'll unroll that as weeks come to pass when we study the subject of spiritual gifts folks we have to first be cognizant of the elephant in the room namely that Some Christians believe there is a distinction in the Bible between what one might call sign gifts, that's S-I-G-N hyphen gifts, and what one might call the other gifts or the non-sign gifts, otherwise referred to as common gifts. So there's sign gifts, there's common gifts, The sign gifts in the New Testament and in our text are as follows. The gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, and the gift of various miracles. Those are sign gifts, okay, in the context of Christian theology, okay? These are the gifts that are referred to in the New Testament, that are believed to have been particularly associated with the early church and served as signs and confirmations for the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they knew the Holy Spirit was present. They knew they were in tune with the Lord. If they were seeing these sign gifts exercised in the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. These gifts are often discussed in relation to passages like our text, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, as well as other parts of the New Testament like Ephesians chapter 4. So let's look a little deeper into the primary sign gifts that I mentioned a moment ago. There's the gift of tongues. Okay, i'm just again overview introduction there's the gift of tongues this gift involves speaking in languages unknown to the speaker either human languages or heavenly languages often referred to as the tongues of angels the purpose of this gift is to edify the church and in some cases to serve as a sign for unbelievers we see that in 1st Corinthians 14:22 where Paul says so then tongues are for a sign not to those who believe but to unbelievers but prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers but to those who believe are you with me so far then there's the gift That was tongues. Then there's the gift of the interpretation of tongues. This gift is the ability to interpret or translate messages spoken in tongues so that the church can understand and be edified by them. 1 Corinthians 12, 10 and 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28, if you're taking notes. Paul says, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble each one has a psalm has a teaching has a revelation has a tongue and an interpretation of that tongue then he says let all things be done for edification verse 27 if anyone speaks in a tongue it should be by two or at least or at the most three and each in turn not all at the same time and one must be there to interpret. So you've got somebody who's got the gift to speak in a tongue for the edification of the church. You've got someone who has the gift to interpret that tongue. And um, in verse 28 he says, But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. That is, the person who wants to speak in tongues must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let him speak to himself and to God. That reference is praying in tongues. Okay, there's the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation, and then there's praying in tongues, which is different. Again, overview, introduction, we'll get into all the specifics in weeks to come. Very specific. Now, In addition to the tongues giftings, we see the next gift in scripture, the gift of prophecy. Again, these are sign gifts, which we'll talk about more in the weeks to come. This gift, gift of prophecy, involves speaking forth messages from God for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of believers. It differs the gift of prophecy differs from the office of prophet and may include revealing hidden truths or the foretelling of future events or speaking God's word simply with authority. We see this 1 Corinthians 12.10, 1 Corinthians 14.1-5. Then there's the gift of healing. A healing gift involves the God-given ability for someone to heal physical ailments and diseases. This could include miraculous healings. It could include instantaneous recoveries or gradual restoration to health. And we see this first Corinthians 12:9 and in James 5, 14, 15. Lastly. There's the gift of miracles. These gifts involve the Lord doing supernatural acts through someone that goes beyond the natural laws, such as healing someone of a terminal illness or um, I'm told by missionaries in Africa, the raising of the dead, Uh, controlling of nature, delivering individuals from danger, Etc., etc. It's important to note this is the most important statement in the entire series. It's important to note that views on the continuation of these gifts vary greatly among different Christian denominations and theological traditions. We're going to talk about their differences, their continuation, or their stoppage. We're going to talk about all of that. Some believe that these gifts, these sign gifts that I just went through, ceased at the end of the apostolic age, or they ceased when the New Testament canon was completed. I got some quizzical looks. I think most of you are with me. I hope so. Others hold, obviously, to um, the notion that these sign gifts continue to operate in the church today. There are those that believe they do, there are those that believe they don't. Now, this may come as a shock to some of you but I personally come down on the side of continuationism. I'm not a cessationist. What that means is those that are called cessationists believe that the gifts, the sign gifts, have ceased. Not all the gifts, just the sign gifts have ceased. And a continuationist is obviously someone who believes that the sign gifts are still in operation today in Christendom. Good. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears> to <throat> figure out where I put Here we go. Okay. Bible scholars and Christians in general, have debated the subject for centuries, but that doesn't make it any less important. Even in reformed circles, which we're in, there are prominent, listen, there's prominent theologians who are reformed who believe that these sign gifts are for today. And there are just as prominent theologians and scholars who do not believe they are for today. As always, I will present both sides with detail. Although a small group of you here this morning could probably rattle off the names of the scholars who have opposing views, okay? some of you could do that, but the majority of you can't. And that's okay, because we are not, listen, we are not going to examine what each man or each scholar or each theologian believes. We are going to use novel idea. We're going to use the Word of God to answer our questions and determine what we believe. God's Word, the Bible, is the primary authoritative source of our doctrine, not what other men believe. So we're gonna try to stick to the interpretation of the text, texts, plural, and not the persuasion of men, at least not yet. We will discuss, I just can't help myself, um, those that are reformed that believe in sign gifts and those that are reformed that do not. So I'll probably share some of the stuff with you. Um, Right now, We need to interpret the text. Scripture interprets scripture. Have you ever heard anybody here say that? One other thing. I want you to know that I realize that there's a great divide in regard to the knowledge of the Bible and the knowledge of doctrine among all Christians. One of the most difficult responsibilities, I talked about it two sermons ago that we have as pastors is to effectively present any subject matter in a way that can be understood by both the person that has been saved for 40 years and the person that the Lord just saved last week. That's a job we have, it's a job task and description that we have to do and you can't get out of it. If you do, you're only gonna reach half the people in the room. There are people in this room right now who have just heard the phrase sign gift for the very first time. And there are people in this room right now who have read entire books on the subject of sign gifts. And as such, will already be familiar with much of what I'm about to say over the next several weeks. To those seasoned saints who are familiar with the subject, I only ask that you be patient with me if I spend considerable time on something that you already understand and you already know, and I'm doing so because somebody else doesn't. So be patient for those people. We have a responsibility to bring those who are newer in the faith to a place where they could come to understand what you already know as a seasoned Christian. It takes time and it takes patience. And that's why you'll hear me repeat some things in this series on spiritual gifts, but I'm doing it because repetition is the mother of all learning and I want people to play that over and over in their mind and remember what we say from the pulpit. There's one other thing to mention before we move on. Some of you are, as I said, cessationists. For those of you who are, I ask that you be, please be considerate of my position until I'm finished interpreting the text um, at the end of the series. Then we could talk about maybe where you think I'm wrong. Short conversation, five seconds. my goal is not to win anyone over to being uh, a continuationist, believing that the sign gets continued. My goal, my only goal, all that other stuff falls under this by default. It'll happen. My goal is to simply interpret scripture to the best of my ability and then let you make up your own mind what you believe, considering what I've said, or what the scriptures say, I should say. Now, there's going to be a lot of eyes. And mys in this next section of my sermon, not because I'm a self-centered narcissist, but because it applies. Just hear me out. It just applies, okay? I'm in a very unique position to talk about spiritual gifts, having been a member of either a charismatic or Pentecostal church for 29 years and then a minister, a Pentecostal minister in a Pentecostal denomination, for 18 of those 29 years, okay? Then I became Reformed Baptist. And that has caused me by default to have to study this subject uh, in perhaps more detail than most and um, with more experience than most. I'm not, I'm, you know me well enough to know, I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just, qualifying myself in the eyes um, in your eyes as possibly having something Important to say here over the next several weeks regarding this subject matter. I'm also in a unique position given that I've Been in and I say this without exaggeration. It's the truth. I've been in hundreds of Pentecostal and charismatic church services and as such I've experienced many, many manifestations of these spiritual gifts from other people over the years. I've been in everything from charismatic Catholic healing masses to black AME churches. AME, for those of you that don't know, stands for African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is an all-black denomination. Um, But I've been there. And um, I've seen... I've seen signed gifts practiced there. Um, I've also been touched directly by people who have these gifts, which I will share more about at a later date in this series. I'll give you examples, not only from other people's lives, but from my own. I had a virus when I was in my early 20s. They told me I'd have it the rest of my life. They told me I'd be debilitated and they told me I should sign up for workers' comp. Um, I had five pastors lay hands on me and pray for my healing. Again, I was 22 years old. Not only only was I healed, but um, it's been documented that I was healed by a Christian doctor so when I say I'll give you examples I'll give you examples Um, and you'll have a very difficult time refuting them even if you are a cessationist I've also seen things in church services that defy explanation which I won't share with you because you may think I'm crazy or you may think they're crazy Um, one last thing Sign gifts are abused in the church more than anything else. They're abused, especially by charlatans on TV. And they're abused by traveling prophetic shows. Um, People that I know have died because of charlatans who have said something to them, prophetically, quote unquote, prophetically, and uh, it didn't come true. Um, And I told this short story once before when we were in the other building, but I had a student who was on depression medication and whose life was going really well. Um, he was a man of God he I uh, was 28 years old he was so um, so incredibly faithful to Christ that he he would actually invite homeless people into his apartment and he would cook them dinner and I could tell you all kind of stories about him that that are just amazing his holiness and his um, the way he lived his life uh But he went to a prophecy seminar at Greater Works Outreach Church in Monroeville. And uh, it was a three-night gig where these prophets would come in and prophesy over the people in the congregation. Well, one of the prophets prophesied over him and told him that there were demons trying to possess him and that these demons wanted him and they were chasing him and they were going to get his family if he didn't do something about it, yada, yada, yada. So after that three-night period, um, one of the prophets uh, convinced him that he no longer needed to take his medication. Because these prophets were also charlatans in the area of healing and prosperity. Um, What the bottom line was, he stopped taking his medication and he killed himself. So when I say I take this seriously, I take it seriously. People's lives are literally ruined by these schmucks who take the word of God, take things like spiritual gifts, twist them and manipulate them to get people to do things that they shouldn't try to get them to do. The reason why I told you those stories and the reason why I said that is because I don't want anyone here to allow the abuse spiritual gifts to quench their belief in spiritual gifts just because people abuse them doesn't mean they're not biblical and just because people abuse them doesn't mean that they're not right you with me okay so we shouldn't be swayed by what men believe regarding these gifts as much as we should be swayed by what scripture says about these gifts I want you to be able to make a case for what you believe in the word of God. That's the most important thing to me. You may be jaded. If you're a seasoned saint, you, you may be uneducated if you're a new saint and you're not familiar with the Bible. Um, but I guarantee you that scriptural interpretation is reasonable and it's not that difficult. I am going to incorporate um, the history of these gifts in our decision-making process as the body of Christ, Catholic, universal. Um, For example, one of the questions we'll ask ourselves is what did the early church believe about these things and what did they practice and why? And for how long? Just because the early church was practicing this or that does not mean that we should do the same. We need to make sure that their practices line up with Scripture before we adopt the same practices today. We need to look no further for an example of this than the last few sermons on the Lord's Supper. We use the word of God to conclude that the Corinthians were being abusive, careless in the way that they were conducting themselves. And and those conclusions that we made are on the face of the text. They weren't hard to come up with. Paul made, made it very clear what they were doing and what they were doing that was wrong. Paul also makes it clear as how things should be in a neat and orderly, proper fashion. Um, he talks about orderly fashion. He means the church service, things being done in an orderly fashion in the church service, people not speaking out in tongues when they shouldn't be, and things like that. And we'll get into that in detail later. We do the same today. We don't even realize it, by the way. We measure sermons and teachings and even lyrics to worship songs against the word of God to see if it measures up to see if it's true. And that's a good thing. I wish 90% of the churches out there did that. But in today's day and age, they don't. It's necessary to compare everything we do to the Word. Absolutely necessary. When we find that these sermons and or lyrics whatever line up with the word of god then we as a church as the body we wholeheartedly approve them but conversely we also wholeheartedly reject certain material uh, whether it be teaching a sermon or a song we say no we're not going to use this person's material or that person's song because it either does not line up with scripture or it contradicts scripture. Again, not tooting our own horn, but every single song that we consider in this church, we painstakingly go over to make sure that the lyrics are biblical. That's important. You know how song lingers in your head all day? You don't want wrong stuff lingering in your head. All day. So scriptures our measuring stick is my point. And what I hope to do over the next several weeks, um, while we look at spiritual gifts together is show you how important Scripture is as our primary measuring stick. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. and by the way, this is still an introduction. Even the nitty-gritty today is an introduction. Um as i said before those christians who label themselves as cessationists believe or hold to the position that the sign gifts of the spirit of the holy spirit ended when the new testament canon was completed cessationists believe or hold the position that the sign gifts of the holy spirit ended when the New Testament was completed. This is one of the main arguments for a cessationist's belief concerning signed gifts not being for today. <coughs> Excuse me. It's important to define this further. Cessationists don't necessarily believe that God can't or won't perform a miracle today. I'm going to say that again because it's very important. Cessationists don't necessarily believe that God won't or can't perform a miracle today. He can, he does. What cessationists believe, they believe that God could heal and does heal if he wants to. But they also believe that it's rare. It doesn't happen every Sunday and every church service or every Wednesday night. Um, But they do believe that God heals people. Number two, cessationists don't believe that God bestows upon someone the gift of healing. So there's a difference. Someone could believe that God heals. I pray for Tim in my prayers to Tim over the period of the next three months. God heals him. Praise God. A cessationist believes that that can happen. But a cessationist does not believe that God gave me the gift of healing and that I can go in a hospital and I can just lay hands on whoever I want. They're going to get healed and jump out of the bed. That's the difference. Someone with a gift of healing, God heals through normal prayer. Put that on the back burner of your mind. Okay? Okay. For those of you, and there are people here who do not know what the canon means, canon or canon, and it means a measuring stick, actually means a rod, but it's a measuring stick, <clears throat> the canon of Scripture or the canon of the Bible. When we say canon, we mean the 66 books from Genesis to Revelation. That's the canon. And we stand by those 66 books as Christians. We use those books to determine and discern whether or not things are taking place in the church as they should be. Everything that we do as Christians should be measured up against this authoritative rule or authoritative source known as the Bible or the canon of the Bible. It is our primary source. I get so frustrated. When I talk to Christians and they say things to me, I'll say things to them like, well, where did you hear that? Or how did you arrive and come to believe in that? And they look at me and they say, well, it's just what I feel God's telling me. One person said to me, well, it's just what I see going on in the world. Christ is going to return soon. I said, how do you know? Well, don't you watch the news? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, look at Israel. And I said, yeah, they've kind of been picked on all their lives. You can't just take this isolated, yank it out of context and say, oh, the Jews are getting picked on for the first time in their lives. You can't make doctrinal decisions based upon what you think. You believe based upon what the Word says. And even then, we're going to disagree on certain things like sign gifts versus common gifts. Okay? But we measure it. We try. We really do. If Scripture doesn't say it. <clears throat> the canon doesn't display it. Then we must, at the very least, investigate it a little bit more more we don't just let it go I believe that God still speaks to people today outside of the Bible though always consistent with the Bible and always submitted to its authority I believe that God still does miracles today I believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation today i.e. tongues prophecy etc you might be thinking, well, why doesn't anybody in this church speak in tongues? We'll talk about that later. Um, I believe that all the offices, or well, what's called the five-fold, fivefold ministry, as spelled out in Ephesians 4, write that down, Ephesians 4 11 and 12, are still functioning today in the life of the body of Christ. Let me read. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Actually, I'm going to read through 13. Paul says he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For what, folks? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. That's number one. What else, Paul to the building up of the body of Christ. So, so far we've got equipping saints for work, building up or edifying the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And we see here... That our God gives each of us spiritual gifts and callings to do what? To equip the body of Christ. But for what? Works and service. That's what? To build up the body of Christ until we measure up in stature to the fullness of Jesus. But wait a minute. If I'm a cessationist and if I'm a cessationist, then Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, doesn't necessarily apply to me. According to the argument of the cessationist, there are no longer prophets or apostles. They were done away with by God when the biblical canon was fashioned and closed. So according to cessationists, we should be all about the business of Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We should be accepting verses 12 and 13, and at the same time, we should be rejecting verse 11. Is that right? Why would we accept 12 and 13 and reject verse 11? Because verse 11 is clear that the offices of apostle and prophet have been done away with because those two offices are exemplified only by ways of signs and wonders. So, these other gifts we accept, the non-sign gifts, but we can't accept the sign gifts within the same group of verses, in the same chapter, in the same book, written by the same guy that wrote first Corinthians 12. So these other gifts we accept, but we can't accept the sign gifts within the same group of verses because those gifts according to the cessationist died when the canon was completed. And we're going to get into that in a lot more detail next week. To me that's it just sounds ridiculous. Um, why you would accept in a list of gifts, you're going to continue to accept certain ones and reject others. But that's what, if if you're a cessationist, that's what you believe, and that's fine. That's what you believe by default. You have to. Remember what Judge Judy says. If it sounds stupid, it probably isn't true. Anyway, now some of you out there, sitting out there listening to this, you're thinking, well, Mike, um, you've only presented one argument thus far just now, and I could blow holes in that argument all day long, Mike. To that I say, no, you can't. And I will prove that you can't in the weeks to come. It is quite problematic to accept all of these gifts that Paul said Christ gave to us in verse 11 of Ephesians 4. While just rejecting two of those gifts in the list, namely apostles and prophets, just because there are no sign gifts today. Makes no sense to me. We're supposed to be studying context We're supposed to be allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture? Not that way you can't. What one is essentially saying, if they hold this position, is that Paul was right on the money when he listed teachers, pastors, evangelists to build up the body of Christ and edify the body of Christ. But Paul was mistaken when he wrote prophet in that same verse. Because prophecy is a sign gift. Okay. Moving on. It's Let me see where I'm at here. Let's try to get through one of these. Before we go. Hopefully I can do it in five minutes. Ten minutes. The first argument. Of a cessationist. Um, 1 Corinthians 13:8 through13, if you look there. The first cessation argument teaches that the miraculous gifts passed away with the completion of the New Testament. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12, chapters 12 through 14 to answer questions the Corinthians were having about the use and abuse of spiritual gifts in their fellowship. We went over that a hundred times. His primary goal was to encourage the Corinthians to love one another. Remember that? Chapter 13, verses 8 through 13 are there to show that love is greater than any gift love never fails right we even call it the love chapter first corinthians 13. and paul continues and says but where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues they will be stilled where there is knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when Perfection comes. When perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned as a child. But I became a man and put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then, wait, my gram- grammatic voice inflection was off there. It has to be read this way, okay? Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. When, Paul, we'll get to that in a minute. Now I know in part, Paul says, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The miraculous gifts such as tongues and prophecy will cease, Paul says. The cessationist says, see, those gifts ceased with the closing of the canon. Those gifts ceased with the end of apostolic succession. Paul says when perfection comes, the gifts are imperfect. They'll pass away. But what about when the perfect comes? What's Paul talking about? There are basically two ways that scholars have interpreted this passage. Number one, cessationists argue that perfection that Paul talks about refers to the completed canon of Scripture. So all the books of the Bible, we're all floating around. We brought them into a canon, 66 books, okay? That's the perfect thing that... Paul's talking about do you see scripture anywhere in this context as a subject no it's not in there okay they hold that the first century church needed these miraculous revelatory gifts because the Bible was not yet complete and when God completed the scriptural canon these gifts were no longer needed and God took them away that by far <laughs> just sounds so off to me, so off. Context is king. There is absolutely nothing in 1 Corinthians 12 or chapter 4 of Ephesians to even hint, let alone, let alone suggest, that the perfect that comes is the closing of the canon of Scripture. No one can pull that out of Scripture. It ain't in there. It's not there. Show me one verse in the Bible, just one, that even hints at the possibility that when Paul said these words, when the perfect comes, that he meant the closing of the canon of the Bible. One verse. That's all I ask that you show me. Does any of Paul's writings point to a closed canon of Scripture? One would think that if the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament meant to convey a thought about a closed canon, he would have just said it. But he doesn't say it. So this is not what he's talking about. He would not have said when the perfect comes. Now, not only did the canon of Scripture, the closing of the canon of Scripture wasn't even something that Paul remotely thought about. There's nothing in his writings or in the writings of the early church fathers to suggest that this is what Paul meant. Not only did Paul not have the closing of the canon in mind here, but he doesn't even have the books of the canon in mind here. There were still books circulating around. The canon wasn't going to be complete for the first time till the 5th century. And I could list for you all the dates and all, all of the um, Gathering of the bishops. And I could show you historically what they talked about at each conference. When the perfect comes, was not one of them. Furthermore, and again, the Greek word, um, teleon, which means the perfect, the end, the purpose, completed, There's nothing inherent in the meaning of this Greek word that speaks of the concept of written scripture. This interpretation of the perfect to mean the canon must be read into the passage because it's not there unless you're willing to fabricate it so that it will fit in your eisegesis. Because if you are saying that the perfect is the closing of the canon, then you espouse fiction. And folks, go look up the reformed theologians that are alive today who believe in sign gifts and those that don't. Those that don't do not any longer use when the perfect comes. They don't use it as an point of argument, for their own argument. Because that's how stupid it is. That's why they don't use it anymore. They used to, they don't now. So, if the perfect was a reference to the canon of Scripture, we should expect a number of commentators in the history of the church to have held this view, right? However, this is not what we find. This is why it is so important to read multiple sources of Christian history. There's one of them will lie to you. You got to read multiple. Okay. I give you an example. Example. As I was preparing, I was reading what well-known Bible people, theologians, scholars, pastors, writers had to say about this. The one guy that I read was from the Gospel Coalition, which is a pretty respected gig right and he said this he said nowhere in the new testament does jesus or any of the new testament writers he said quote anything in the new testament that wasn't from the old testament Jude quoted the Gospel of Moses, Jude quoted First Enoch, Jesus quoted the Book of Sirach, Paul quoted the Book of Sirach. Jesus and Paul both quoted the Book of Wisdom. I could show you the quotes in my Bible. So to say this guy had an MD, to say that Jesus and the disciples never quoted from anything else other than the books of the Old Testament shows me you have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. But this guy, like I said, is writing for the Gospel Coalition. People say things in, within Christendom that they don't mean, not because they're facetious and they want to get over on you. They typically say it because they haven't done the legwork, they haven't done the research, and they just repeat. This guy repeated what he heard 100 other reformers say. Because I could show you about 100 other ones that say the same thing. And it's just not true. So yeah, there's going to be people who are going to agree and disagree who have a bunch of degrees next to their name, but they're still mistaken because what they believe does not line up with Scripture. We have to stop here. I'm sorry. Um, We'll continue next week. Again, please, this is an introduction. Please don't think that I'm going to stop talking about these things that I didn't elaborate on. I just threw them at you real quick to see what sticks, okay? And I could tell by your facial expressions what sticks. I could, tell, I could tell by the notes. If I say something and it's something that you like, everybody goes like this, and they write it down. <laughs> and if I say something and you don't like it, everybody's like, you know, so I can read you. We'll get into it more next week. Okay, let's pray.